You're listening to the Not Your Grandmother's Book Club podcast, where we read them so you don't have to. Like the show? Become a patron at patreon.com forward slash nygbc. You should write a book, Fry. People need to know about the can eat more. getting this book on UFOs. Did you know they're real? But there's a huge comic conspiracy to cover it up. Oh, that's just a paranoid fantasy. I want to be a book that you can pick me up, flip through my pages, make sure nobody drew wieners in me. Welcome to the Not Your Grandmother's Book Club Podcast, where we read them so you don't have to, because we can't just quit cold turkey. My name is Kevin, and I'm joined as always by my co-host Benedict, a human composed entirely of the substance they make tooth whitening strips from. <laughs> Benedict, you were given funding to make a one-hour-long documentary of any subject that you choose. What's it going to be about? That's a good question. Can I can I just uh, inquire as to what you what you meant by the first one? Is it not only that I am super white, but I will also make anyone else I come into contact with <laughs> whiter? Anything you contact becomes whiter. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Cool. I, I, there I will were, say there right, are layers to the joke. While you're delaying your response to the question, uh-huh. I will say that I think I've noticed the other day that I have picked up. Uh, I don't know if they're necessarily Britishisms, oh, okay. but they're Benedictisms oh, okay. that have entered into my what vocabulary. What are they? What are they? Uh, the the one that I notice most uh, uh, most definitely is uh, the uh, that's a lot, <laughs> which is <laughs> yeah, no, that that's one me. Of your that's me. I, I don't know if that's a particular Britishism, but that is definitely a Benism or Benedictism, yeah. however you want to want to refer to it. Um, in answer to your question, one hour document. So that's not very mm. long. Right, so I, I'm... well, it's like a that's like a standard feature length. Doc- nah, I mean, maybe two they hours. go, maybe they go over. It's a it's a television documentary length. Sure. I, well, okay, it, but it's not a series. It's like let's just say you get to hijack sixty minutes for an evening and air your your program. Okay, interesting. I think I would do um, something probably on, and this isn't super niche, but I would probably do something on the opioid crisis because I mm-hmm. find that super interesting and also super amoral. And I think everyone who has been involved should be exposed as much as possible. And if, if, if I can do it on HBO, it'd be just me yelling, fuck you <laughs> at them. You'd pull a Michael Moore. Yeah, I get exactly. In, <laughs> interspersed with just like, this is something they did. Just, fuck you. Just showing up fuck at buildings you, and asking you. to meet the Sacklers. Yeah, I know. Exactly. I know how it goes. Yeah, yeah it's much. a formula. He's worked it out. So that, that's, that's, that's me. What about you? Uh, so I, I have a recurring fantasy okay. of locking my parents what about, in a room oh, wow, okay. and not allowing them to leave until I've explained how all of the nonsense they think is true isn't. Kevin, that is not uh, an hour. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's like a month-long yeah. process right there. So I think mine, it would be something related to that, right? It probably, and maybe because of right now, uh, vaccines are mm. in the in the the present mind for yes. everyone. Uh, it would be about how vaccines are not poison designed to turn you into a Bill Gates mind slave or which, something uh, like that. Which which conspiracy theory are they on? 
Well, I don't know particularly, but I I was on the phone with my little brother yesterday and uh, learned that my parents are, in fact, anti-vax. And they tried to get my 80-year-old grandmother not to take the COVID vaccine, which pissed me the fuck off. Yes, it would. Uh, I was, I was, I mean, my little brother can tell you I was yelling into the phone. I was very upset about <laughs> Presumably that. Presumably at your little uh, brother, though, not at your parents. Well, yeah, <laughs> but you know, it's it's anger by proxy, yeah. getting it out. Uh, <laughs> so uh, it would probably be something along those lines because I'm, I'm just done. I, I feel no, even when it's with my parents, I feel no need to be, uh, pretend there's a sympathetic view yeah. to their stupid fucking standpoint. So it would probably just be an hour-long documentary of me uh, bringing idiots in front of a camera to tell their anti-vax story and then yelling at them and calling them <laughs> it's names. just a lot that, of us that's yelling at people as, the, as our documentary yeah. fantasies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Good stuff. We get a lot. We have that, we have that simpatico yeah, in we that do. way. Yeah, yeah, we do. But anyways, Benedict, you know, but the listeners may not, that in fact, this is the show where mm. we dive down deep, 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 into the dumpster out back of McDonald's, searching for the one clean, wrapped McDouble of right-wing thought down in the bottom, underneath the uh, discarded grease from the fryer. Uh, you, you know, you want to you make sure you, you keep out of that. You don't want extra grease. Well, you don't need depends. extra grease it on depends. the McDouble. It depends. Uh, <laughs> Depends, depends, depends what, what kind of mood you're <laughs> That's what we're here looking for. And of course, we do that by reading all these terrible, terrible books. But before we get to that, Benedict, mm. you got a hot take for us this week? Yeah, it's not going to surprise people, but insurance is a fucking scam. And I knew that already, but now I have I'm examples. I'm glad you changed it from your previous <laughs> one that was in the notes. <laughs> yeah, I changed it. Because I remembered that I received a medical bill this today, this very day. And they uh-huh. were like... Okay, so this like minor, essentially I have throat problems and I had an endoscopy, which is where they shove a tube up your throat. Uh, up your nose, gross. up your nose, so they can see down into Very your throat. Very gross. Yep. Um, and they were like, "Yeah, that." Why don't they just go in through the bigger hole? I think because they they wanted question. to look at my sinuses. I, whatever, it doesn't matter. <laughs> Disclosing my medical history here, HIPAA violations abound. But but, but like, anyone who's listened to you talk already knows you have sinus <laughs> issues. So don't don't worry, true. you're not disclosing That's anything true. they didn't know. <laughs> That's true, and a fucked up throat. Um, but. So essentially, they were like, "Yeah, that two-minute thing. Yeah, that that costs fifteen hundred dollars." And they're like, "Are you kidding?" But and then it's like, "Oh well, insurance paid it." Like, no, they didn't. Insurance <laughs> did not pay fifteen hundred dollars for the doctor to like look down my throat Deductible, and go, "Yep, friend. still Deductible. red." Ridiculous, <laughs> ridiculous. The, and then they were like, "Yeah, so the bill's forty dollars." No, it's fucking not. You liars. <laughs> it's all a lie, and it's all built on stupid corporate pyramid schemes around getting billing the doctors a ridiculous amount and then being like look how much money we saved you know you didn't fuck you That's well benedict I'm, I'm very glad to tell you that uh later on when we do the second half of of the chapter that we're doing this week you, you know glenn's gonna tell you how in fact how much freedom uh, our i have system of insurance is perfect yep. yes all the freedom yeah the freedom that you the have the freedom just, to like, they actually shoved an American eagle down your nose. That That's how they why got it. it. That's so how much freedom was involved. <laughs> that must be why it hurt so much. But it is <laughs> it is ridiculous that they can just make up numbers and be like, yeah, that's what that costs. Ridiculous. Anyway, what's your hot take? My hot take this week, uh, we need to normalize swearing in the workplace. Fuck that. <laughs> 
<laughs> Fuck that indeed. <laughs> I just, I, I like the idea. I feel like that is fairly normal. I don't I mean, it depends where you work, I guess. But maybe maybe not well, in, you your, know, in your big law firms. But Yeah, as someone who's going into the field of law, uh, you know, lawyers outside of, that I've known outside of, uh, you know, jobs <laughs> are, are particularly foul-mouthed, mm-hmm. right? Uh, they, they tend to have plenty to say and don't mind saying it, but there's this, you know, it's, it's very much like a tonal shift that you do, right? When you go into the workplace and you have to censor yourself. I think uh, it, it's a thing with clients more than anything, at least like from, from my experience is like mm-hmm. uh, kicking around the office with your colleagues. It's one thing, but like if you're going into a client, you're not being like, fuck you and fuck this. <laughs> well, you know, I've worked in law firms before uh, in the past and, in, in, you know, summer jobs and whatnot. And uh, I never heard anybody just walk up. Hey, how's it going, Tim? How the fuck's your day? How you? <laughs> like, I'd like to see that. Yeah. I think it would make for a better workplace. Sure. <laughs> Sure, sure thing. But that's not how just you don't bring... want anybody giving me the side eye when I forget I'm at work and accidentally let a fuck slip. Yeah. Is really what I'm getting let at. Let a fuck here. slip is a good a good <laughs> word for anything. Uh yeah, okay. I I dig it. I dig it. All right, all right. Well Ben, let's move on a little bit. What is on your bookshelf this week? Oh, uh, good question, Kevin. It is uh The Lions of Alpha. Don't Al-Rasan. don't pre- no, 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 no. Don't you patronize me. Don't Why? you patronize me with that Why? bullshit good question. Good as question, though it's Kevin. not the same thing we do every fucking week. <laughs> Try to take over the world. <laughs> exactly, Pinky. Brain. <laughs> but, uh, Pinky. You, yeah, Pinky. I got it right the first time. You, your brain. Um Yeah, so it's a good question, Kevin. Uh <laughs> It's The Lions of Al-Rasan, which I haven't actually read yet, but I've heard is very good, by Guy Gabriel K, which is a fantasy novel based around the uh, interactions between the Jews, the Christians, and the Muslims in medieval Spain. So extremely my shit, you might say. <laughs> Absolutely. But I, I haven't read it yet, but I've heard it's very good. Aslan makes an appearance. It's a whole thing. I get it. Do you know what Aslan means? Do you know where it comes I, from? I, I, I don't. I never it, got that deep into it's, C.S. Lewis. It's Turkish, and it means, and I'm not kidding, lion. <laughs> was he that lazy? Yeah, he was just like, oh, I found a good word for lion. I'm going to call him Aslan. <laughs> I totally would have thought, because like, he has a, a you know reputation, I yeah. would have thought he would have pulled out some deep word that has like nope. Christian meaning or some nope. shit. <laughs> Aslan, Turkish for lion. That's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's good excellent stuff what about your bookshelf what's on it my bookshelf this oh, week that I... was a good question you didn't even acknowledge <laughs> shut it. the fuck up <laughs> <laughs> i'm recommending a video game this week uh because this is you know it's how i relax in between doing stuff sure. i had a, a rough week last week i had two 30 page papers uh to turn in for law school very last i'll be doing in my law school career uh and afterwards i just wanted to decompress uh, and so I, I pulled out the, the controller, started playing some video games, and the game that I love uh, and I think everyone should check out is Subnautica. Okay. And there's a, a new, uh, a, a, like a sequel to it coming out uh, on consoles this week on Friday, so uh, that I'll be playing it when it comes out. It's outstanding. It's just... Uh, it's very peaceful because it's about uh, you crash land on an alien world that's mostly water, mm. and you're just collecting materials to build stuff you need to survive and eventually, uh, you know, solve what's going on, why you crashed, and get off the planet. And it's just, it's got, they did underwater right. They did it in a way where it's very peaceful, 
and it's very soothing, and it all looks very beautiful, and I, it's a great relaxation game, and you can I play it for days on end. If you've ever been underwater, but underwater <laughs> is a <laughs> hellscape. It is not relaxing at all. I, I, I look. I've scuba dived in my life several times. I got yeah, and you know how many point. fucking been... fish there are. It is not relaxing yeah. at all. I, th- I think it's, I think it's relaxing. Okay. I think it's relaxing if you're just looking as an observer. And I've had a shark swim right underneath me. What type of? And shark? I didn't even real. Like it was a just big like shark. No, no, it was like a three foot long little. Okay. Uh, so like uh, a baby shark. Yeah. But I find it very relaxing. I really do. I, I, I love it. I love the, the world. Fair enough. I, there's two types of people, right? There's there's 20 different types of two types of people, but one of those yeah. two types of people is there's there's skydiving people and there's underwater people. I'm an underwater guy. I am I've... neither. <laughs> there are three types of people, those two and me. Well, anyways, why don't we move on a little bit to housekeeping. Of course, remember to rate and review us on iTunes if you haven't already. Follow us on all the social medias at Kevin, or no, at and. Follow us on all the social medias at NYGBCPod. And I want to announce, because in the last interstitial episode, we said we were going to be doing None Dare Call It Conspiracy as an ongoing series for the interstitials. And we're tweaking that a little bit, because as I started getting deeper into that book and doing more research around the book, where it came from and all that, I found something that I thought was actually much better for the interstitials. And so we're going to keep doing the book as a patron-only exclusive. So you, if you want to hear our review of None Dare Call It Conspiracy, you're going to have to become a patron. Sorry, but we just do love our patrons more. We, it can't be helped. But for the interstitial series that we're going to be doing, starting with next week after this episode comes out, we're going to be doing an investigation into the John Birch Society, which is the organization that Gary Allen was a part of that inspired his work uh, and that, in fact is still around today and has a YouTube channel. So I'm very excited because they are out and out wacky conspiracy theories. We did right? some of it for the last patron show right. and it was it was essentially the gist of it was hey, you know what wheels are? You know how people <laughs> reinvent them? Wait, no, do, hold on. Go back. Wheels. You you're familiar with wi- you heard wait, of wheels? cars. Communist cars? conspiracy. <laughs> Pretty much, is and it a con- is it a coincidence <laughs> that the the sickle is half of a circle? No, right, right. And we learned so much between my investigation that I've done so far in the John Birch Society and in the the uh, chapter two review that we did on the patron only bonus episode, which is available now if you want to go listen to it. Um, so it's the second one after the the one we did for the interstitial last week. We learned so much about it that I think ties into not only all the books we've done so far, uh, in that you can see the threads, you can see where the thoughts come from, because the John Birch Society right started way, way back in, I think it was the 1950s, I don't have the date in front of me, but started way, way back, bunch of conspiracy theorists, they said Eisenhower was a communist, right, all these this crazy stuff. You can see those threads move forward through time and how they we get to where we are now, but also it ties directly to Glenn Beck mm. because one of Glenn Beck's favorite books that he pimped on his show back when he was on Fox News that he still, I think, sells on his website or at least has links to on his website is a book by W. Cleon Skousen called The 5,000-Year Leap. W. Cleon Skousen was a member of the John Birch Society. Yeah, his I think book he was came published up in this book, uh, I think I don't remember if he came up in this book. I know I brought him up. I don't remember if it came up in the book itself. But W. Cleon Skousen, his book was published by the John Birch Society, right? Okay. And these, 
These are wacky people who literally think there is a massive communist conspiracy everywhere. And Benedict learned that for real last week yeah. when we did the chapter two review. Yeah. He wasn't believing me when we did it the first time through. No. But legitimately, everything is the giant communist conspiracy. Yeah. Yeah. It was it was interesting. Cause then you're like my first reaction is to always be like, well, if you look at it, like if you squint, I guess you could. No, not even that. Not even that. It's just like, it's literally like, oh, you you know how you like food? That's communist. <laughs> yes. One of the videos on their website or on their YouTube channel, which we may end up doing, is about how, in fact, the Civil War was communist. not caused by slavery and other stuff. It was caused by the massive communist conspiracy. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> it's outstanding man i'm so excited to get it. into it all i'm right. so excited so we're gonna do that next week that's gonna be a whole lot of fun uh but again you can go listen to the ongoing review of none dare call it conspiracy over on the patreon uh and that's gonna be a lot of fun too so i i'm just loving all of it right now we found that kind of crazy that i really need in my life with that all out of the way we return to our book review of Arguing with Socialists by Glenn Beck, mm -hmm. The Feeling of Having Eaten Too Much Bread in Human Form. <laughs> Benedict, what we read this week? Well, Kevin, this week we read the first half of Chapter 5, in which Glenn creates and doesn't really manage to destroy the strawiest no. straw man I ever did see. He runs right into it and keeps going. <laughs> Just runs through it. And it's like, it's you know, in the cartoons where you're like, they're running, but the thing is still attached to them. Yes, like they yeah. run into it and it doesn't move <laughs> in the way that they expect it to. So they're just running forward with this. I'm imagining a scarecrow just running with a scarecrow attached to his torso, just like unable to like sidestep either way. If you imagine Glenn Beck as the coyote from Coyote and Roadrunner, he, he does make more sense as a human being that way. <laughs> I'm just saying. But Benedict, yeah. do you have an alternate chapter title for us? Yes, week? I do. It's chapter five. That's not socialism, but you still can't have it. <laughs> very good. Very good. What Mine you? is the Twinkie defense to capitalism. <laughs> What's the Twinkie defense from? The Twinkie defense is the defense that the guy who killed Harvey Milk tried to yeah, use. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Saying that the chemicals in Twinkies drove him crazy. It didn't work, but you know. Yeah, uh, yeah. You got, you got, it's look, a famously ridiculous defense, yeah. Famously ridiculous defense, absolutely. But it starts out just with a giant page that says, Debunking Scandinavian Socialism Myths. And of course, quote from Bernie Sanders, it doesn't really matter. But it begins in proper quote. For millions of Americans, nothing screams utopia quite like Sweden. Happy, smiling faces, delicious meatballs, and cheap furniture as far as the eye can see. What the country! But not a week goes by without some socialist snake oil salesman proudly proclaiming Sweden and other Scandinavian countries offer the rest of the world a blueprint to a bright, beautiful, collectivist future. And then, of course, he goes to doubt. Bernie Sanders brought up Scandinavia during his presidential campaign in 2016. And then again in 2020 as an example of what Bernie wanted to do in the United States. And as you mentioned, Benedict, we are going to learn in this, cap in this chapter that Scandinavia is not socialist. No. But we still cannot have it. No, it's not for us. Of, of course not. And he starts off, and here's something I have to bring up right at the beginning. He's going to keep jumping from country to country, depending on which one is convenient for him at the moment to Kevin, be talking Kevin, we know about. he's going to do that. <laughs> because, of course, 
all these countries have different policies on different things. So we could just jump from one to the other, hope you weren't paying attention, and then broadly refer to them all as Scandinavia, mm -hmm. as though that completes his argument. So, but he's going to start off this time talking about uh, Denmark, right? Mm -hmm. The first, and we got this before in this book, he's already printed this quote in this book, <laughs> which is the quote from Lars Lok Rasmussen, the former Danish prime minister, uh, when he was speaking to the Kennedy School of Government at Harvard and said, some people in the U.S. associate the Nordic model with some sort of socialism. Therefore, I would like to make one thing clear. Denmark is far from a socialist planned economy. Denmark is a market economy. Which, yeah. Fine, sure. Fine. I mean, is it, if you're going to define it in that way, that's fine. If that's how you want to define it, that's okay. But it, 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 again, <laughs> like it's it's like it can't be fascism unless it directly follows a world war. Like it just it's one of those it's, stupid definitions. It's not fascism unless it's from the Fasc reason of France. <laughs> Otherwise, it's just sparkling republicanism. <laughs> uh, but right, look. So he he hinges upon that statement by Rasmussen as though it's the end of the argument. He really does treat that as the oh, you're still gonna say well, I guess he's not good enough for you. Ever the heard former of the prime Danes? minister? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Former prime minister. Pay no attention to the fact that the Social Democrats, the party that has had power for the majority of Denmark's political history, are a member of the Party of European Socialists and call mm -hmm. themselves socialists and, you know, obviously have controlled the economy for most of Denmark's history. But pay no attention to any of that. This right-wing member of the Danish Folketing. And by the way, this chapter, because we're talking all about Scandinavia and I'm the one who does the research on this show, required me to do so much reading where I had to keep stopping and go, okay, how, I'm never going to be able to fucking say that word. There's just no fucking chance I'm going to be able to say that. It, six umlauts? How do you get six umlauts in a word? Of, lot of what does that even do? I don't even know. It just, it, it rounds the vowels. It's vertical. And, and I know we have at least one patron who is from one of the Scandinavian countries who's going to be very upset by some of my Ooh, imitation. I don't, I don't know if it, uh, it, it might it might be Finland, and I, that's not a Scandinavian country. I mean, uh, he's, Glenn isn't particularly concerned with what exactly is or is not a Scandinavian country. Sure. And I'll say Finland, right, it's on the peninsula with Norway and whatever sure. the other don't, one next to Sweden. Insult, don't insult there? anyone. I, yeah. Look, I, I don't want to insult anyone, but generally, I did look it up to see what is Scandinavian. Right? And generally, it's Norway, Sweden, and Denmark, but Finland, Iceland, or when people use Scandinavian some colloquially. People, yeah, I think some people include Iceland, and some people think Finland is scandinavian but i don't right. believe it technically is well but he's going to talk about them in this chapter sure. so when we say scandinavian just imagine we're referring to all of those because it's just easier for us that way but he continues american socialists just desperately want scandinavians to be a shining example of socialism they need it to be true the history of socialism is cloaked in blood, racism, and economic chaos. So is the history of capitalism. The history of the Almost, world is cloaked yes. in those things. Almost everywhere it has been tried, people have had their rights stolen away. So now we know, right, the reason why... why and this it's, it's another area of intersection, I would say. And Glenn might get mad at me for that because he doesn't believe in intersectionality. Uh, but there's an intersection between the American democratic socialists, the general left in the United States, and the far-right white supremacists in the United States. Both sides admire Scandinavia for vastly different reasons. Yeah, one, uh, one is a uh, <laughs> Aryan race, more Aryan race uh, type admiration, I think. Yeah, and I feel like my reading of this chapter 
He didn't get into it any in any way explicitly, like some of the drops he's had in the past that were pretty openly racist. Uh, but I feel like there may be some inspiration for him there in having to defend Scandinavia because of the connection to the the imagined connection to the white race that he thinks they have. <laughs> he does keep bringing up how homogenous they are. He calls them culturally homogenous. Not really. Certainly not anymore. Anyway, whatever. No. Doesn't matter. No. But he continues on. Even if Nordic nations really were the bastions of collectivism, so many attendees at Democratic Socialists of American conventions argue they are. What makes socialists think you can impose a system working in a tiny, highly homogenous part of the world on one of the largest, freest, most diverse nations in the history of humanity? Arrogance. Sure. You know what you could do, though, given that the U.S. is a federal system, is that you could have each state do do its own miniature version of that, which is what a lot of people want. They want more control over state politics anyway, uh, and the state to have generally more say, and then a, a, a more avuncular federal government, shall we say, that just kind of watches and, uh, and lets people see what happens. Anyway, whatever. It doesn't matter. But there are ways of doing it differently that doesn't require the federal government to step in. Sure, you know, California, you can call its own mini socialist republic, I guess. Sure. Or at least I'm sure Glenn thinks so. Yeah, definitely. Right. That's why people are leaving California to go to New Mexico. In droves, fuck. in droves, of course, yeah. We've heard about all that. But uh, he continues, and he has this, of course, because he's making the argument that scale matters, right? Uh, the Scandinavian countries are so small that somehow it matters that you can't do that in the United States because he doesn't understand how scaling works. But he really does the argument of, you know how hard it is to make dinner plans with a group of people? Oh, yeah. That a full paragraph, a full big paragraph of saying this won't work in the United States because it's hard to make dinner plans, especially when people have different dietary needs. It's really his fucking argument. Yeah. I also like on the previous page, you skipped over it, but there's it's a yellow page and he weirdly highlights something in yellow at the bottom yeah, of the page. Bad choice. Like, bad what, choice. What there. are you doing? <laughs> Bad, just bad editing choices just all bad around. Just bad everything, Kevin. Just but bad after everything. that, after that little dinner plans thing, he says, and that's just population. There are also significant differences related to culture, racial diversity, religion, immigration, and diet. And then in a parenthetical, good luck finding a Twinkie in Sweden. Is that a good How? thing that you can't find? <laughs> I, a like, I feel like that should be a good thing. That you, I have never had a Twinkie, and long may that continue. <laughs> Do you even want to know how long I spent trying to find out if you can actually get a Twinkie in Sweden? I would assume that you can't. <laughs> I actually tried to find... Here's the thing. You can get them in the UK. Okay. So they could be exported from the UK to anywhere. They're in the Eurozone, right? They can, well, they they can be sent it. <laughs> yeah. Well, they were. Good point. <laughs> they could have been at one point sent yeah. from anywhere. Yeah. I found that I found that Tove Lowe, the Swedish singer, has a line about a Twinkie in one of her songs because okay. she thought Twinkie meant cookie. Uh, I literally spent about what? 15, 20 minutes trying to find out. I went to the website of a store in Sweden where you can make orders online and tried to look up Twinkie, but I don't know any Swedish, so I couldn't figure it out. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah, I, I, but I did say, find I, a it definitely was possible at one point when it was in the UK, but but literally, right? Like that fucking matters. Yeah, and his other stuff differences related to culture. What could he say? What you mean, Glenn? Yeah, say what you mean, right? Racial diversity. Say what? How would that have an effect on any of what we're going to talk about in the well, religion? 
religion. How would that have an effect on any of what we're going to talk about in this chat? Clearly Nothing. he thinks socialism is more possible in a homogenous population, whereas I actually think the reverse is true. I don't, and I don't have an opinion on the subject. Uh, <laughs> I, th this is literally an opinion that formed in real time, but I don't think that homogeneity is necessarily the key to socialism. No, I don't, I, I don't think so either, right? I think this is all just complete nonsense because, again, he's not citing any real reasons. He's just naming things, which yeah. is his, you know, he does that a lot. He'll just name, this is a thing, so it's different, and I'm just going to say that that makes X impossible. That's all he's going for here. So we get to the first tweet of the chapter from Professor Tweed at Check Your Privilege, please. And he says, oh, come on, Glenn Beck. Everyone knows Scandinavians are socialists and successful ones at that. And that's where he literally follows up with, oh, you're saying Rasmussen was lying? <laughs> you're saying he was lying about it? Well, Think you know more than the Danish you? prime minister, bro. <laughs> yeah. the, the very briefly Danish prime minister. Yeah. Now part of the minority because once again the Social Democrats, that socialist party, is back in power in yep. Denmark. Because so. people were like, "Oh, you're not a socialist leader." Oh, okay, sorry. We'll 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 get we'll get back to the good stuff. So here we get to the first part of this chapter that's going to have a lot of uh, uh, I would call it data-driven analysis, but it really isn't is the problem. He's citing primarily for these next couple of pages the Heritage Foundation's 2019 Index of Economic Freedom, in which uh, current uh, in the 2019 version, uh, Denmark was rated 14th, Sweden eight, uh, 19th, Finland 20th, and the United States 12th. Ooh, so. We know that the Heritage Foundation, that's a completely unbiased organization that doesn't take up batshit positions like climate yeah. change is a hoax. Also, right, so why don't we do what they're doing then? Because clearly they're <laughs> sure. as good, if not better, than we are. Like, sure. But Benedict, of course, I said that that was the 2019 version. And since mm. then, of course, new versions have come out. Currently, they do have the 2021 rankings available. That's Would you like it. to guess what country is ranked number one on the Economic Freedom Index? Is it Denmark? It is not Denmark. Is it Sweden? It is not Sweden. Is it Finland? You're never going to guess. You're never going to guess. Okay. It is Singapore. Oh, okay. Singapore. Singapore. A country... That has very serious human rights, freedom of speech issues, and is unquestionably has a far more powerful government yeah, than anyone it, than, any, than Glenn the, Beck was. It wants. is the closest to like the 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 wet dream of libertarianism, isn't it? Right. Like because this entire index is based on how much do you suck up to business. That's what this index is really about. One of their uh uh, the things they rank the countries on, uh, one of the uh, criteria, is labor freedom. Labor mm. freedom is one of their criteria. And basically it comes down to less protections for workers get you a higher rating. <laughs> All right. Good stuff. So <laughs> less, less unions, higher rating. Good, good, good. Yeah, so the top, the top uh, five right now, which are ranked as free, totally free, Singapore, Switzerland, New Zealand, Ireland, and Australia. It's weird. Ben, can you think of anything those five countries all have in common? Uh, we used to own them all. <laughs> that is also true. <laughs> that is also true. That's not a good thing for me to say. But, <laughs> no. <laughs> what I would also say, 
All of those countries have universal health care. Yes, that's true. All those countries have universal health care, of course. And in Singapore, as a matter of fact, 80% of the country lives in subsidized government housing. Oh, really? Is because it's a tiny fucking island. Yeah, I mean, it's basically... It's tiny. It's essentially New York City. Like, it's if New York even... City were a country. Yeah, I don't know landmass-wise how big Singapore is. I think is, it's but... bigger than Manhattan, but I don't know if it's bigger than New yeah. York City. It's still very, very small. It's a yeah. very, very small island, right? For, especially for the number of people who live on it. But yeah. anyways... So, the Heritage Foundation Economic Freedom Index, I don't particularly find to be a useful metric no. for talking about any of these. No. Especially since they have such vaguely defined criteria as trade freedom, investment freedom, financial freedom, and government integrity. So, and these are things like, there are groups that do scoring like this, right? Like Freedom House is one that scores on actual freedom metrics, right? Things like freedom of speech, freedom of movement, things like that. And they have really well-developed over time criteria that they use to rank these things. Um, Heritage Foundation, not so much. <laughs> not, not so much at all. Yeah, you can't really look behind the curtain and see where they're getting no. all these numbers from. No. So I, anyway... <sighs> It's, it, yeah. it, it's a it's a nightmare and also like that's all he ever cites like there's a point later where i wrote i forget where it was but it's like oh surely this is an unbiased source that he's citing i think it's in a yeah. couple of pages we'll get to it well and we're gonna get into so basically we're gonna start off here we have a big splash page right with just all the different rankings of these different countries for you know and they're all the heritage foundation like you said the the different freedom index from different years and then things like business freedom which one ranks first uh, and fiscal health, government integrity, property rights, those sorts of things. Uh, and again, I should mention all the Scandinavian countries that are listed here that he's talking about also all have universal health care. Yeah, which also he is going all doing better later. by the, uh, their own warped metrics of the Heritage Foundation than the yes. U.S. So yes. again, maybe they're onto something. Let us have a Sweden. That's all we fucking want. Let us have a goddamn Sweden. But anyways... He tells us, of course, that the way that they've gotten these rankings on this stupid nonsense metric is by having free market capitalism, mm. not by rejecting it. That's how they've gotten all this stuff. And Professor Tweed comes back at us with, Denmark, Norway, and Sweden haven't totally adopted socialism yet, but they are clearly headed in that direction. And this was this my is, laugh out loud moment. I, yes, me too. <laughs> I was, I, 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 this is literally like the Borat dialectic of like, well, no, you're right, is, not. This is like kindergarten playground arguing shit because yeah. he literally says in response to that, you're exactly right. Well, in a world where what you just said means the opposite. And oh! Gotcha. <laughs> It's so good. It is literally a giant Borat knot. Like, it is. Yeah, it really is. Ridiculous. I was so astounded I, that he, a grown-ass man, wrote that fucking sentence well, down. said, literally, I know you are, but what am I? Like, yes. <laughs> I'm so good, man. It's so good. Um, so then we're jumping over. Right, we were on Denmark before. Now we're jumping over to Sweden. And he says that, uh, well, you know, John Stossel interviewed some right-wing uh, Swede who said that uh, socialism's bad. So that's, that's a whole thing. Uh, <laughs> talking about, right, they had an economic crisis in the 90s uh, that uh, came around with a real estate bubble burst and some other stuff. And, and he's like, yeah, that was all, that was all socialism. So, you know, that <laughs> stuff. Can't have been anything else is to blame the socialism. That was it. Right. And, and there's also this thing where this same right-wing Swedish uh, historian guy, Johan Norberg, 
said yeah this is where i wrote surely he is an unbiased source yeah this guy a senior fellow at the cato institute such (laughs) an unbiased surely he loves taxes <laughs> uh, he said that the reason why Sweden has this reputation is because during the 70s and 80s, the country was adopting these radical left-wing policies, and that's that's really where all this came from. Well, you know, of course, Sweden's one thing. Sweden started with these socialist policies going back into 1932, and actually the Social Democratic Party lost power in the 70s. I don't know where he's getting his thing about all this reputation starting in the 70s and 80s. In fact, that's when it started declining because mm-hmm. more moderate and right-wing parties took over and instituted changes that reduced the amount of social welfare programs and things like that. They had uh, the, the Meidner plan in 1976 uh, was the first big embrace of neoliberalism that reduced... Ooh. The I know, right? Someone's done that research. Soviet, yeah, the, so I almost said Soviet. Swedish welfare system, <laughs> well, right? They're yeah, the same yeah. thing, as Glenn would have us know. As we would know. So anyways, it's, it's nonsense, but he continues. One of the most disastrous programs of the period was one of Europe's most socialistic. Wage earners funds. In the 1970s, progressive labor unions bullied Swedish politicians into enacting laws that forced private companies to contribute a certain percentage of their profits into worker-owned funds that would be used to buy shares in those companies. Over time, the funds would essentially force businesses to transfer ownership from lawful individuals to workers, effectively socializing whole industries. Well, not really. Again, all you're doing is creating a... a, a a co-op, basically, a worker-owned co-op. It's basically, not, that's what I was going to say. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's not. It's not <laughs> like you're creating like, oh, well, now Jim from down the road who works in a completely different industry owns half of my company. No, it's like creating incentives for people to care about the company that they work for by giving them some ownership over it. Yeah, and again, I'd like to say that that doesn't even fit Glenn's definition of socialism. Because that, remember, what we're working on here is Glenn keeps telling us that socialism is state control of industry. Shifting goalposts from Glennethy Beck? Are you kidding? We're talking about private ownership, just different private ownership. Yeah, just not by one dude. But remember, taxation is theft. So true. But he follows that passage with a ghost of Karl Marx appearance. Always love it when Karl makes an appearance. And he looks sad. Karl's looking a bit dejected. Yeah, Yeah, he's a little sad. And what Karl has to say is wage earners' funds, transferring property to the working class over time, just seize the property. Like I've said before, there is only one way in which the murderous death agonies of the old society and the bloody birth throes of the new society can be shortened, simplified, and concentrated. And that way is revolutionary terror. Which so he recognizes that Marx would disagree with yeah. this program. He recognizes it and walks right past it. Does. Walks right past. He does, and then he's like, "Thanks for the crazy interruption, Carl." Like you wrote <laughs> this, bitch. Like <laughs> I know, man. I know. It's just, it's just. You didn't have to add Karl Marx in there, but you did, just yeah. so that you could be snarky about him appearing. Fuck off. So the wage earners' funds didn't last very long. They only lasted a couple of years. There were protests organized against them, uh, and they were eventually just phased out. They didn't keep doing them. Uh, and I would say that, for one thing, worker ownership is, of course, something that I am heavily behind. Yeah. But nobody... Love a co-op. 
nobody is proposing this system because it's a bad system, right? We're proposing thing like government subsidized loans for conversions from individual owned businesses to worker owned businesses, mm -hmm. right? That's what we're pushing because those things work and they make more sense. Yeah, right? or people having companies being given incentives to to give their workers some of the company as part of their right. ESOPs. Their, ESOPs. Yeah, exactly. em employee yeah, employee ownership programs, right? That's yep. that's all we've had those for literally decades. ESOPs yep. are, are old programs. Give a give a uh, bonus as part of the ESOP anything. Just you know, as long as yep. you're paying people a proper salary, then give them some of the company however you feel that you want to. Yep. Absolutely. So and then we move on to learn that all this terrible this socialist terror. The socialist terror of uh, you know, taxes that are slightly higher there than they are now, uh, drove everyone out of the country. And we learned that Ingmar Bergman, fl he fled, he fled Sweden sure. after he was uh, investigated for tax evasion and, uh -huh. then, and then didn't have charges filed. He just, there was a mistake and they shouldn't have investigated and he left. And that was a whole thing. And of course, Ikea, we know, fled the country. Yeah, fled. famously not associated with Sweden anymore. <laughs> Famous and famously not founded by a Nazi sympathizer. Um, look, there's plenty you can say about the bad business practices of Ikea and the fact that the founder was a Nazi sympathizer. Um, but uh, he literally just left to avoid taxes. Like, Glenn is glorifying tax evasion. That's what he's doing. Yeah, because he doesn't think taxes should exist. That's why. Well, it's the same thing that in the United States he would be screaming about evil companies, right, take, you know, finding tax shelters in other countries but he doesn't recognize he it because it's not I think something he wants at home. that to happen though doesn't he i mean well he, he wants, might do his he faux, wants like we all agree all we all agree that companies shouldn't avoid taxes we, we can meet in the middle on that but you must agree well, he would taxes use that two percent yeah yeah exactly that's what i'm saying but i don't think he really believes that i think he believes that companies should avoid taxes if they can well I don't know. Maybe we'll get some more detail him from him later on in this book. Although we never do really get him nailing no, down any solid like, position, right? In part Let, two, we'll look said, at like, this, and then taxes. in part three, we'll look at what we said in part two, and in part three, yeah. we'll look. Yeah, I don't know. He never gives us any real clear policies that he backs because I don't. He's definitely not smart enough to come up with like this is what I think the tax rate should well, be. Well, I don't know. He just I says mean, less, I, I less think he just taxes. Doesn't want to write that down, probably, because then it's like, then people can counter argue. Hanging so. himself to uh, to a post with what he yeah, said. Yeah, exactly. But anyway, since we're talking about sweden right he's talking about this socialist hellhole that was sweden until the glorious 1990s when the tax rates were slightly lowered um sweden as of right now uh has a 70 percent unionized labor force 70 percent of the entire country belongs to a union 70 percent uh, they, of course, have single-payer health care. I've mentioned that before. Yeah. They provide 16 months of paid parental leave for every employee in the country, regardless of what job you're in. Uh, they have a monthly child care payment for every parent in the country. It's like, I don't remember what their their uh, money is called. Is it a kroner? Kroner, yeah. Is that sweet? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like uh, 1,100 kroner per child. Mm -hmm. uh, so you get uh, just regular payments. Uh, and, of course, they have free public daycare. That's provided for everyone who's below a certain limit, and everyone above that limit still gets that daycare at a subsidized rate. So people are able to put their kids. Uh, of course, the uh, U.S. does, does None not of that. have any of that kind None of stuff. Of that. That's, yep. yeah. Of course, in the U.S., uh, about 10% of our labor force is uh, unionized, which is, is that as it? you no. may notice, that far less low. than 70. Far less than 70. Uh, in Sweden, 48.8% uh, of government spending... Uh, uh, 
Government spending is 48.8% of their GDP uh, versus about 35% in the United States. And the average over the last several years uh, for Sweden was about 54% of GDP. So they're spending much, much more, and they're providing far more services. Mm -hmm. Glenn, that's what we want, buddy. It's what we fucking want. Please just give us that. Yeah. The next page, we get a brain dump. Uh, It's called an ADD moment, and this is called Pippi's Revolt. This is about uh, Astrid Lindgren, who is the woman who wrote Pippi Longstocking, right? A a treasure, I suppose. I think I read some of those books as a kid. Yeah, I think I did too. I assumed it was an English person, but clearly that was wrong. Yeah, you were clearly wrong. You, you, that pro-English bias that you have. Yeah, it is. I mean, Pippi Longstocking sounds like the most English name in the world. It really does. It really does, though. But apparently in 1976, uh, because of a weird uh, thing in the tax policy, uh, she had to pay 102% uh, tax on her income because she was getting taxed with this weird... uh, She had the income tax, and then she also had this employment tax thing that was going on. Um, And, of course, they eventually fixed that because, you know, when you see a problem like that, you fix it. Uh, But uh, that's apparently a, a huge sign of how this whole system was wrong. Yeah, I like how these, like, go. eventually that led to the fall of the government. Like, did it, though? Or was that just a natural <laughs> progression of how governments change sometimes? Yeah, that's true. So we get the next tweet from Professor Tweed. And I think it's all Professor Tweed for this portion of the chapter that we're doing. I don't think we yeah, get any other tweeters this time. And he says, maybe, and remember, they're always backing down. Every one of the tweeters in the argument with Glenn is just backing down and backing down. And he says, maybe Scandinavian countries do have some market-based features. But what about all their big welfare programs, like universal health care? Those programs clearly show Scandinavians are socialists. And Glenn says, having some socialized industries in place doesn't mean an entire economy can fairly be labeled socialist. Right, so let us do it, please. <laughs> yes, I'm but this, this is maybe my favorite page of the chapter, because this, this is where we get some go fuck yourself, Glenn. Play your own game or go fuck yourself. Yeah. So it continues. Imagine for a moment a conservative's paradise, a true bastion of individual freedom. And in parenthetical, just the thought of people having control over their own money and property is likely making our friend, Professor Pete, nauseated. But let me spend a few minutes to think this through. I think, I've wondered before, and I think we've talked about this, who is Professor Tweed supposed to be? Mm. I'm wondering, that's obviously a typo or a mistake. I'm wondering if that's maybe also a clue. Can you think of anyone who Pete might be with regards to... Professor Tweed? No. I couldn't think any. I like the only one I can think of, like Pete Buttigieg, but no, that doesn't match so. what the little profile picture yeah. is or anything about it. Doesn't make much sense. But mm. anyways, in a conservative's utopia, government's only function is to protect the rights of individual people and keep communities safe. There are no government-run social safety nets because charities composed of church groups, philanthropists, and concerned, compassionate citizens take care of those in need. And then in the parenthetical, contrary to socialist beliefs, it actually happens a lot. But maybe Play for the people those fucking groups care game. about. No, no, no. Play your own fucking game, Glenn. Find me one fucking example of where that's happened. Yeah. Where charities have actually taken care of society's ills. Society's Find me one Ills. fucking example. Not, not that, that's the thing. It's a societal level rather than an individual level is the problem. Well, he's, he's, look, the way he phrased that sentence, what he's talking about, you can only assume because he's saying that in fact it would be better. It would be better than all these so-called socialists 
uh, programs that he's talking about, that they would have better coverage of all the people in need than all these socialist programs do. He can't name me one fucking place where that's a reality, no. despite saying, well, it actually happens quite a lot. Yeah, points to points for one. This is why, we, of course, we had nobody was starving during the Great Depression because all those great charities and the great capitalism we had back then. Yeah, that's right. Well, we had all that great stuff going on, man. The non-intervention into what the beginning of the Great Depression until FDR uh, got, took office, right? All the charities were taken care of, and then FDR came in, and we wouldn't have had Ruined any problems everything. if he hadn't just created that fucking TVA thing. It would all been great. We would have had churches just taking care of everybody. Of course. Bullshit, Glenn. Bullshit. Name one fucking example. But he continues, without massive multi-trillion dollar welfare programs, there's no need for many forms of taxation, including federal income taxes. There's also no reason to have social security because the elderly, in the absence of huge income taxes, have been able to keep and invest their own money for their entire lives, and families are encouraged to take care of people when they grow old or fall on hard times. Well, luckily, Glenn, we also have another example of how you're fucking wrong, and it's called the entire history before social security, <laughs> and how that didn't fucking happen, you dumbass. Yeah, and when, when one economic depression can wipe out the entirety of your life savings and there's no one then to step in and look after you that's a big fucking problem yeah it's it, this is so it's so paper thin and again this is the example that i was just talking about a couple minutes ago where glenn doesn't give us any concrete ideas all he's capable of speaking in is grandiose terms and vague policies, stuff like that. He's not capable of giving us any concretes, but just giving us these these vague intonations, then implying that this would obviously be much better because move on to the next one. No yeah. need to explain. No, just no obviously. Need to, no need to examine my presupposed beliefs and decide whether or not That's it's the actually thing true. With all, with all of these things, isn't it? It's always like... It, it's defined in opposition rather than in proposition. Yeah. Right. And and that's Absolutely. the way that these debates are always done is like my way is better because look how bad your way is, but mm -hmm. and therefore mine Absolutely. is self-evidently better. So that there's Absolutely. no, there's no proposition. Like old, old school debate is you have two propositions and two oppositions in, in terms of how you do like high school debate, basically. The conservatives are always the opposition. It's Third. always grievance <clears throat> politics. Yeah, I, I mean, I've watched some debates online. I don't, it seems like the case to me. Yeah. I remember the only time I ever did debate was like middle school. Mm -hmm. uh, it was either seventh or eighth grade. And we had a debate in class uh, where it was, uh, it was about Hurricane Katrina because it was oh, around no. that time. And the debate was over like, did the federal government screw up the response to Katrina? And of course, I was at that time, because I was just a young kid in a conservative household, on the, like, the pro-George Bush federal government side. You know, he didn't do anything wrong, right? That's what I was arguing. So yeah, yep. I was absolutely in opposition. Yep. <laughs> and I was just, yeah, it was bad. It was bad. But he continues, there's not much left to this bullshit, but he says, the elimination of most federal regulatory burdens and some unnecessary state and local regulations has allowed for enhanced economic growth and job opportunities. People are wealthier and freer than ever. And in most cases, they have the money to pay for their own children's education, both at the K through 12 and college levels. He yep. has no fucking idea, A, how much money people make, and B, how much fucking money school and then college costs. Yeah, college costs such a ridiculous amount in America that nobody can afford it, essentially, without taking out ridiculous loans. Yeah, it's it just... 
it's astounding to me that he could write that whole page full of utter nonsense and then end it with, Without most taxes, welfare programs, or government regulations, our conservative utopia is about as free as any nation has ever been. (laughs) But what if our fictional utopia were to retain public, collectively owned roadways? Does that mean that our perfect conservative world would just be another example of socialism? Of course not! (laughs) As though that compares in any fucking way to what we've been talking about Yeah, but also as if, like, if Glenn didn't like publicly owned roadways, he wouldn't call them socialist. (laughs) If it helped him to get his point across absolutely and so the question that obviously comes from that is okay glenn how much of these programs before you start screaming socialism and of course as someone almost who has followed glenn beck's career the fact that basically any socialist programs he starts screaming socialism i know he's full of shit right obviously he so when we were going through the healthcare debate in the united states he was screaming this is socialism this will turn us into a socialist country right and i have no doubt that he's just absolutely he knew this is a convenient argument to make he doesn't believe what he's actually saying here no no and i'm not convinced that he ever does to be honest yeah, that, that's another big problem we have with Glenn, is, is wondering how much he actually believes. And this goes back to the John Birch Society stuff, right? Where I am fully on the train of I think Glenn Beck is basically a bircher. Looking into his, his conspiracy boards that he's done on his show and stuff, right? Where it all goes back to George Soros and all that. That's straight up John Birch shit, right? Straight up John Birch. George Soros is one of the insiders, which is a specialized word in the John Bircher vocabulary, which means like the elite who run the cabal that's trying to institute worldwide communism. Sure. Uh, and I, I think he's just capable and skilled enough to just paper over that little bit so nobody who's outside of those that specialized circle who knows the vocabulary knows what he's talking about. I think Glenn Beck is 100% in on believing the giant communist conspiracy of the of the John Birchers. Quite I think possibly. he's in. I like Birchers as like a Bertha for, for <laughs> Absolutely. Uh I mean uh, uh oh I'm, no that's not what the song is uh, but the Bob Dylan song the it's the John Birch Society Blues I think. Uh but I think he says Birchers in that. I don't remember. Okay. So you stole it from Bob Dylan is what you're telling me. Well, the John Birchers have been called that for a long time, I think. I think he, he probably pulled it from society. But anyways, our next tweet from Professor Tweed is, Fine, whatever it is you want to call the prevailing ideology in Scandinavia, that's what I want, and that's what I mean by democratic socialism. So, th- what we've been saying yeah. throughout this entire fucking book review, Glenn recognizes. Yeah. And then he just walks right the fuck yeah, past he's it. like oh no true socialist literally it's like a no true <laughs> literally a no true scotsman fallacy in the form of a paragraph like he's just like oh well no true socialist would believe that so you're not a socialist whatever moving on well but here, here's my problem right he's not responding to what professor tweed said yeah he's which not is i want to that it. if, I, if that's not socialism then i don't care give me what they have and he's like well you're not a socialist then and socialists want this so that's <laughs> Because the quote that he says is actually, quote, any socialist who claims he or she wants America to be more like Scandinavia either doesn't understand what's really going on in Nordic nations, is lying, or isn't really a socialist. I'm fine with whatever fucking label you want to put on those. Just let me have a Sweden. Yeah. It's all I fucking want, Glenn. It's all I fucking want. Yeah. But he just goes right past it and starts on a new section with a new heading. 
it's rare when we get these, so I have to let us know. It's, it's always good, which is titled Income Taxes. And now we're going to talk about tax policy. Mm-hmm. So he starts off, and we're going to be talking about you know what taxation is like over in Scandinavia compared to the United States, because even though these countries have vastly different tax policies, he's going to lump them all into Scandinavia, pick out the ones that are convenient for him to talk about, ignore the others, ignore significant components even of the tax policy of the countries he wants to talk about, mm-hmm. and then say... You don't really want that, do you? Because that's what I want. Want shit. Oh, no. God damn it. Wait, what's my argument here? God damn it. He doesn't realize what he's doing. He's saying this is good. He's saying what Scandinavia is doing is good. Ergo, we should do it, but you can't Wait, have it. no, it yeah. You can't going. tax me at 70%. That's too high. Which maybe is too high. But America's taxes were that high in the 50s for the yeah. top earners. Yeah. I mean, he starts off here saying, right, that all socialists want to increase taxes dramatically. Mm. And he says we want to increase it on middle income and and all some middle income and all wealthy individuals and businesses, Largely which is true. mostly true. Largely, Largely true. true. And he has two brain dumps on this page, which I cannot decipher. Well, one one's pretty easy, but one I did not understand. One no. says the left's defini- definition of fair share has a picture of Bernie Sanders. And then it says fair share equals current tax rate no no it's there's a there's a greater than current tax oh rate. i thought that was just like a bullet point no type no thing. no i think that's it's what also, I it looks like greater than or that's equal just to because, poorly yeah, formatted it's really, bullshit uh, it's really badly styled <laughs> and i think they did that because they didn't want it to look like greater than or equal to they wanted it to be greater than so they put the equals and the greater than on separate lines but you're right it does just look like a bullet point yep Yep, I just thought it was like, you know, you hit return on Google Docs, you don't have the regular bullet, you have the arrow one. That's yep. what I thought it was. Nope. Anyways, it's greater than the next one, the next one is a red sticky note that says the 1% in the eyes of socialists. And it has drawings of Scrooge McDuck, Mr. Peanut, and the Monopoly guy with a fucking monocle. He put the goddamn oh, monocle yeah, on right. Uncle Pennybags. But it's very faint. So it's, it looks like they had but like a... There. Does he have a it's monocle? There. Or does it, yeah, I know. Is that but just you so, can see it. It's fucking there. Is, is that so they don't get sued for taking the Monopoly character? <laughs> like, oh, he had a monocle, so it's clearly not Mr. Moneybags. So I think you can get away with though, fair use. Do you, do you think Disney would be like, okay, yeah, that's fine. You can use Scrooge McDuck? Because Di- Di- Disney are famously <laughs> litigious. Like, it, I it, think these fall under fair use because they're know. using them to make I a point. I would like to see there's a there's a satirical technically although not in any real world sense there is a satirical element to their usage the intent is satirical even if they don't mm, really pull it off i would i would love to see disney try and sue glenn back over the likeness of scrooge mcduck that would be so funny but talking about what the progressives want tax-wise he says This isn't just a policy proposal socialists like. It's a cornerstone of their whole ideology, one that dates all the way back to Karl Marx. Parenthetical. You know, the whole from each according to his abilities to each according to his knees thing. What a callous, heartless thing of Marx to say. Well, does he really fucking think Marx was talking about tax policy? A progressive system of tax rates. Is that really what he thinks it was? Yeah, no. No. That's ridiculous to me. And again, it's another one of those situations where... If you look at it from the perspective of Glenn Beck's believes in the massive communist conspiracy, that makes sense. Sure. 
Because in that, if you look at it in that sense, Marx was just part of this conspiracy who were all trying to help the really rich get more power and money and et cetera. And in that case, then these are all just different tactics thrown out through over, over time, right? Rather than communism is actually a thing and this is not what Marx was talking about. I don't know. It's fucking weird. To me. It is weird. But then we're going to go through some of the modern socialists, all the presidential candidates in the 2020 election, as we're actually going to talk about, and uh, all, how they all uh, were were pushing for this Marxist-style tax policy. Of increasing just income prob- tax rates amongst the top you know, earners. Like, oh, no. I just had a moment where I think Marxist-style tax policy is probably not something that has ever been said seriously. No. <laughs> Oh, it's been so he seriously, starts, just not by any anyone yeah. serious. He starts off with uh, Elizabeth Warren's uh, wealth tax proposal, mm-hmm. right? I should mention Norway has a wealth tax. That's one. Uh, Denmark had one. I think they got rid of it in 2006, but these are things that happen all, a lot of Europe has wealth proposal, by the way. Taxes. If you have more than $50 million in assets, you pay mm-hmm. 2% on it. Sure. Many, many con- countries have wealth taxes. The next one, Bernie Sanders, which he says, the way he describes it, it would confiscate as much as 8% of a family's net worth. Yeah, if they're a super rich family. It sounds really evil that way. Right, right. Ignoring the part where it's like people who have millions of dollars. Of people who have more than $200 million million dollars in assets. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, exactly, exactly. And then uh, Kamala Harris and Joe Biden, who he says, quote, said they want to repeal the 2017 Tax Cuts and Jobs Act because, in Harris's words, quote, it benefited the top 1% and the biggest corporations in this country. True. Just a factual statement. Yep, not wrong. <laughs> and then Pete Buttigieg, uh, who said he wanted to increase the top income tax brackets only while imposing a wealth tax and financial transactions tax. Finland has a financial transactions tax, by the way, since it's one of the countries we're talking about here, which is supposedly not socialist, but they're doing the thing that Glenn is claiming is socialist here. Mm-hmm. But so... He says, if Scandinavians are socialists or even just progressives, we would expect their tax codes to be in line with many of these proposals. But, M-dash, brace yourself, M-dash, they undeniably are not. So, this is where we're starting with Denmark. And he says, the top marginal tax rate of 60% in -hmm. Denmark applies to all income over 1.2 times the average income in Denmark. Now, he's wrong about what the top marginal tax rate in Denmark is because by law, uh, the maximum tax, combining the local tax and the national tax, I believe it's 55% is where the limit is. Uh, when you combine both of those, that's what your your maximum tax is. But most people, uh, the average is down around in the 40%-ish range of what people are actually paying in tax. Denmark, though, does have a capital gains tax of 27%. Uh, and on what, So there's this, I don't want to get into how their capital gains tax works, but I'm basically getting at, they have a, a they have additional taxes. Denmark yeah. has plenty it's of additional taxes. Tax. It is higher tax, sure. They have capital gains taxes, and Denmark is, we're going to get, I don't know if we're going to get into it a little later, but Denmark has a number of other taxes that influence how this system works. For example, Denmark taxes revenue from oil drilling, so all the oil that's pumped out, all the sales of oil, at 52%. Mm-hmm. So that's another significant area of taxation, I'd say, that you're ignoring, Glenn, in trying to claim that they actually have lower taxation than the United States. Well, I, I, what he originally says is that individuals are taxed higher, but corporations are taxed lower. So why do, why do socialists want to do the opposite? Like, because A, it's a better idea. And B, yeah, anyway, whatever. It, it, it's... 
he talks about right right now uh, the the corporate tax rate in Denmark is twenty percent. Yeah, twenty percent. That's the rate. He's ignoring what I was getting at with that oil tax is that they have special taxes, industry specific taxes. Yeah, yeah. For for a variety of industries that drastically increase the amount that those companies are actually paying in taxes. And they don't have the significant number of loopholes and subsidies that companies in the United States use to end up paying basically nothing in taxes. So it's it's drastically different. It's just it's astonishing to me. There are also on the individual taxation side, right? He is talking about uh, individual taxes in general are higher in those countries. Mm -hmm. Uh, but there are a number of deductions that people can make that lower their overall tax burden. For example, union fees in Denmark are tax deductible. Mm -hmm. You can deduct the amount you pay in union fees. And I should point out that they get drastically more in services yep. for those taxes. That's the fucking point. Well, and so, I found... Sorry, go, go ahead. ahead. Thank you. I will go ahead. Uh, the, the other thing that we don't talk about here because it doesn't get framed as a tax is having to pay for health insurance is a tax that yes. we don't get to, that doesn't get talked about as a tax. And that mm -hmm. just it is rolled up under single payer health care in, in places like Scandinavia. But having to have money come out of your paycheck against your will most of the time is a tax in the but US. Freedom, Benedict. But freedom. Freedom, indeed. Freedom. Otherwise, I have to pay $1,500 to have a tube shoved up my nose. Like, <laughs> Yes, so he is saying, right, that how can you socialists want this? You should Because in this system, there'd be more people getting taxed, uh, the, the lower, in, lower income people, and ignoring the reality. No, we think situation. corporations should be taxed higher, so let's do that instead. Let's do that. Let's do that. And let's, let's also work to increase the size of the tax base yeah. by helping people have higher incomes to where they'll be paying exactly. more in taxes, because that, that's what we want. With all of those services, that would help get us there. And I did, I found, you know, there's always the things about happiness uh, in Denmark, right? And, you know, there's, you can find a billion different articles on why people love living in Denmark and why socialism. they're so happy. And they're Basically, like, it's socialism. yeah, we have wonderful quality of life. We have all these great services. If I lose my job, I have tremendous unemployment benefits and I can, you know, all these different systems that allow our country to operate so well. Right? Although I was, but, I was reading a thing the other day that, that that's based on a, like, how happy are you compared to how happy you thought you would be in life scale. <laughs> and apparently the, the Scandinavians are just more realistic about life than the, the U S <laughs> and they're like, you know, eight out of 10, it's pretty good. Like, yeah, I can't really complain. Like whereas America's like, I should have been president <laughs> two out of 10. Like every yep, American. We're all, we're all moment, momentarily depressed millionaires, right? Yeah, in exactly, the United States. Exactly. That's where we all are. And then he starts talking about the VAT, the value added tax. Okay. Also known as sales tax. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there is a slight difference sure, between a VAT and, and a sales tax. Thing. It's what, it, as a consumer, it's what you pay on top of the raw price of the good when you try and buy it. Except the good thing is, you know what the thing is going to cost before you get to the cash register because it's always whatever percentage that it is. So they just price things up sensibly and it's like, oh, it's five ninety nine. It's five ninety nine when you get to the register, not six seventy one for some reason. <laughs> hey, I like that you're mad at the sales tax I'm really just for that, that little bit there. But look, it also goes back to I used to the not have very much money and have to <laughs> have to be like, can I afford this toothpaste? Yes. Oh, no. That's embarrassing. Yes, yes. But it also goes back to something that I am familiar with growing up in a conservative household. And it is a longstanding right wing argument about 
all sorts of things, right? Mm-hmm. Whether it's a minimum wage, whether it's a sales tax, whether it's a VAT, and that is, well, they're just going to pass the price on to the consumer. Mm-hmm. It's just going to pass the price right on. Despite the fact that we see everywhere that increases their minimum wage, the McDonald's dollar menu remains a fucking dollar menu. Yeah. They don't pass, because, and there's also, right, they like to pretend they know so much about economics. They really do. But there's also an equilibrium when it comes to taxes. Yep. There's a point where they will say, well, we can increase the price by so much, but if we do so much, then people are going to stop buying it because it's and more expensive. Start losing money and so when you start getting into products that are not necessities, and by the way, the VAT is either not existent or reduced for necessities like food. Yeah, like food, food normally isn't, uh, isn't taxed. Yet. Right. Right, so you don't have to worry about it with necessities. Although there are then get... those stupid things of like, oh, if it's hot food, then it's not technically a necessity. But and like, if if you sure. get a croissant cold in a cafe, then it's not right. got VAT on it. But when I go got, to the Whole Foods, foods yeah, exactly. <laughs> when I go to the Whole Foods and and spend way too much at the hot bar, if they I stick wanted... something in the microwave for you, <laughs> it, it has VAT added on. Right, right, right. But basically, the point is that 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 drastically that horrifying outcome they always predict never seems to occur despite the fact that states do increase sales taxes and minimum wages do go up and we don't see this outrageous terrible outcome that my father and every conservative i've ever heard but it gets shared around whenever it does happen whenever there's a study being like oh seattle increased its minimum wage and like two businesses shut everyone's like see we told you (laughs) but then like a year later they're like hey everyone's quality of life got better and that doesn't appear anywhere um the other thing i would say quickly is sales taxes and vat it like it is a regressive tax at the end of the day Mm -hmm. in that it does impact people on the poorer end of earnings more because they have they do tend to have to buy yeah devote more of their income towards the sales tax than Mm -hmm. than richer people do and then at the same time though we use that vat or that sales tax or we should to provide more services that benefit those people right that's that's part of the trade-off that goes on there and there are other ways right sales tax rebates are a thing there are other ways uh to to yeah that's why you you go to the airport and get your tax money back and if you've ever bought anything in europe like anything expensive you can go and be like i've never been to europe why would i have bought it anyway (laughs) but like if you go to if you buy anything expensive in somewhere that's not the u.s you can be like, hey, give me my money on the sales tax back because I don't live here and won't receive any benefit. So you Ooh. can you can do that um, if you get, at, at least in Europe, I guess, that probably elsewhere as well. But if you don't live in the place, you can ask for the tax money back. Like buying a bunch of sodas in a state that has the five cent refund and driving over to the state with the seven cent refund. Sure. M- just making bank, man. Sure. Just making bank. And gas is so cheap here that it's probably, <laughs> probably worth it so. So the next section we get to after that little detour into the VAT is Sweden's school choice, in which Glenn Beck does not understand that it's not at all the school choice system he wants in the United States. No, Uh, why would it be? No. So here's the thing. I do not know enough about the school choice debate to have a a, a great argument about it. I, you know, I've known people, even people, you know, reasonably progressive. Uh, You know, one of my friends from undergrad, uh, who's now a teacher, uh, who is pro these choice programs, if they're done right. Um, The problem with choice programs in the United States, particularly for me, is that they are a way that right-wingers use to funnel money into religion. 
Uh, because in the large part, we're talking about these private Baptist or evangelical or Catholic schools that are having this money funneled to them through these voucher programs. Mm -hmm. That's the huge problem there. And also, I think it's inappropriate the way that the right always tries to uh, use the stupid competition argument when it comes to these schools, uh, the school choice programs and stuff, because I, I looked into a little bit of research on it, and the difference in performance between these schools, most people agree, is not because of the bullshit competition thing that they're arguing about. It's a matter of resources, right? These, these uh, private schools get more resources than public schools in bad areas do. So that's where this program works out. Anyways, I don't want to spend a ton of time talking about the school choice program. In Sweden, they do have a school choice program. They had like 10% of the children in the country went to a private school. Fine. That's it. Sure. That, that, whatever. There are people who are for it. There are people who are against it in the country. And Yeah, I mean, hi hybrid systems don't, I, they can work. They can work. Sure. Sure. They also, because this is a state financed program, don't allow for the sort of discrimination and religious indoctrination mm -hmm. that Glenn Beck wants in his private school well, choice program. The, the, the problem is also it, it, with, and again, not an expert on this by any means, but like if you can get around the system by being like, I'm just going to live in this school district, which is more expensive and better, then that's essentially private school anyway. Like, if you can afford the house in the better school district, you're basically paying to send your child to school. So it's no right. different. For, like, it, it's either truly equitable or it's not. School districts make it not equitable already. And so this is another case where, and for one thing, he's using bad sources, right? He's using, for his primary source, an organization called Ed, uh, Ed Choice, which was founded by Milton Friedman. Mm -hmm. So not cool. one I, I uh, trust right off the bat. Uh, for what I'm looking at. I also found some good criticism of uh, the work that they've done in the past. It's also another case where he's completely overlooking another aspect of these countries, which you'd think he would want to talk about, which is the fact that most of them have free college education. Something that, again, the socialists in the United States, who he's screeching about, <laughs> want. Sweden, for example, all the way up to the university level, is entirely free, and students get a $900, $900, whatever their thing is called, uh, a month, Swede, kroner, right? Oh, yeah. yeah, 900 kroners a month uh, stipend from the, from the, is it a state? Sure. I think you call it a state when it's not a federal system. The country is just called a state. Yeah. yeah. So the from the state. state. Sure. So these great programs that he's obviously ignoring to make his little argument about choice, which is a much smaller component of their educational system than this, in fact, free education system through the public schools with all this other stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, it, it, yeah. I, sorry. <laughs> There's too it's many things. Yeah, it is. It is. It is frustrating. And also, like, this isn't something I know enough about to truly rebut him. So it's just, it's, it's one of those things where it's, you, you find yourself almost being like, yeah, okay. And, like, I guess. Yeah, and I didn't. I didn't spend a ton of time researching this section because it's a very small section. Uh, ultimately, it, who cares? Like, yeah, yeah, really, really not a big deal. Um, I don't have a huge, I don't know enough about it, and I didn't want to spend a ton of time on it. But we get to the next subsection, which is, is the entitled, last one. Uh, the last one we're going to be doing today, yes, which is entitled Norway's Addiction to Oil. True, by the way. Yes, absolutely true. 
uh, and one that uh, many people in Norway and outside of it has commented on as a sort of paradox for yeah. Norway. And also a lot of progressives have been like, yeah, we should use our oil money to do that and then fund yeah. non-oil technology. <laughs> but like, if we're going to do oil anyway, we might as well use it to fund a sovereign wealth fund, keep people happy and use that to fund non-oil stuff in the future. Yeah, I mean, so he starts this out claiming the beginning of this section is obviously, well, all the democratic socialists in the United States all want to get rid of oil and all he calls them our most affordable energy sources. Only because like we subsidize them massively. <laughs> Absolutely, right? While, he points out, Norway pumps a ton of oil out of the ground. It does. And it, I, think it's the, I think it still is the eighth largest uh, producer of oil in the world. Mm-hmm. And it is in large part how Norway have generated their massive sovereign wealth fund. Yeah. So, you know, Denmark, we talked about, did their uh, have their 50-something percent tax on oil, all oil revenue on top of the regular corporate tax, which means that oil companies get taxed up to 70-something percent. Norway, on the other hand, in addition to taxation for companies that aren't owned by the state, is a massive stakeholder in the energy companies that actually do the oil exploration mm-hmm. and selling. So Norway owns these oil co- this is another thing that glenn should be like socialism socialism yeah, no socialism. socialism this is state ownership of the means of production this is what you should be against glenn but because like you mentioned earlier and i like the point you made that it's all about opposition he's solely playing it up as a good thing to be in opposition to his imagined socialist enemy who he's in this twitter battle with yeah, exactly. And he, he knows what the counterpoints are, interestingly, because he, he says, you know, Professor Tweed comes in and says what I said, which is that Norway and other Scandinavian countries have spent a fortune of that money investing in renewable energies like wind and solar. And then he's like, yeah, but have you thought about this very specific counterexample of like, you don't really want to be like these oil producing countries, do you? And like, the answer is obviously no, not now that we have the choice. But like, if we had built an infrastructure in the past that relied on oil that was now producing all this renewable energy investment fund then yeah i would Mm -hmm. be okay with that because we've done the oil producing anyway so we might as well use it to fund good stuff yeah and i would say that for one thing right we're not in the united states going to get rid of oil production anytime soon no but we could tax it really highly Uh, yeah that that was going to be the point i was going to make if we're going to we should work to taper it off certainly transition to other forms of energy and we're we're making good headway on that in some ways and i certainly hope you know the infrastructure bill that's been proposed and probably won't pass because fuck joe manchin uh has a massive amount of funding for for renewable energy sources and and you know getting that moving um but you know like i said fuck joe manchin <laughs> but i think we should definitely we should like these countries do tax or take a portion of the profits from the natural resources that are properly owned by the people of this country mm-hmm. not just some dick who happens to own a plot of land where he can drill down and drink your milkshake and <laughs> fucking suck it out and sell it somewhere right we should be taking a cut of that because that belongs to the united states not to these assholes and we should use it like norway has done to pump in renewable energy norway gets the majority of its power from hydroelectric power the majority of the country's energy comes from hydroelectric mm. electric power. A mass, and far more than just like a slim majority. Yeah. The vast majority of their energy mm-hmm. comes from that. And the other countries in the region, obviously... It's got a very long coast, to be fair. Yes, yes. The other countries in the region, uh, Denmark, Sweden, all the others, they also have made massive investments 
in renewable energy. So this argument, even if he's saying, well, Norway, it's all coming from the oil profits. Do you really want to do that? Well, the other countries, they have they don't have the massive oil funds that Norway do. They have more oil than than many places, but they still they're pumping a ton of money into renewable energy because it does make sense for the future. And we should be doing that as well, because it's objectively just a good thing unless you're Glenn Beck, who really has a chapter in this book dedicated to climate change denial that we'll be getting to in a couple weeks. <laughs> Great. Can't wait. I haven't looked that so far much ahead. Fun. I haven't. I haven't. Kevin. Yeah. But now that we've been through that little bit about Norway, now he responds. He tells us, so you say you want the United States to be just like Scandinavia, but do you really mean it? You want a culture that's extremely homogenous? Whoa, who said anything no, about that? Nobody, yeah, exactly. Who, like sa- who said anything about making the country homogenous? Yeah, yeah. You want fewer business and financial regulations? Again, another thing he didn't even touch on. And something that uh, I finally took the time, because this has come up several times in several books we've read, uh, where they just will reference blandly fewer regulations and how that's that's what businesses need. They don't really have a good measure of what that means. No. I, I found I found a pretty good paper on the subject uh, in the journal Economic Policy, which goes in and looks at the actual data. And generally what they're talking about when they say fewer business regulations is they will use metrics that make it easy for them to say the United States has more business regulations than blank. Yeah. So things like if you form a business in New York, the number of forms you have to file Cool. That's that's one of their metrics. Great. And in and New York, it's probably it's more like six. Because you have it's to do... like six. I've done that. I have helped people to do that. Yeah. When I was with a nonprofit that was helping small business owners in New York City, I have helped people to do but that. The thing is, it's fucking easy. It, a yes, and B, any federal system that is going to be true of. There are going to be more forms you have to fill in because generally you have to do stuff at a state <laughs> and federal level, and therefore have to do twice the paperwork. Yes, but I would also say the the uh, paper I'm referencing in that journal, Economic Policy, it found no correlation between the number of regulations and the economic prosperity of a country. Yeah, because just, America, you no have to fill a lot of forms in, and guess what? The biggest economy in the world, so shut the fuck up. Like, yeah. <laughs> literally but doesn't it's just, matter. It's one of those things Republicans can say. It doesn't really mean anything. It's very hard to actually define. And they don't really have anything to back it up. But it sounds really good if you don't know what they're talking about. If you shut your eyes and whisper. Yeah, that's true. He continues. You want lower and middle income people to pay a greater tax burden? You want school choice? You want balanced budgets or close to it? That's, uh, by the way not true they all yeah. most of those countries run deficits, deficits uh fairly regularly you want the united states to continue growing its fossil fuel production these policies are democratic socialism to you i mean not all of them but it sounds like this is what you want glenn should we try it yeah that's that, right glenn if you can we do this again can we do a sweden man can we just do a sweden without the homogenous Let me have stuff. A sweden yeah this homogenous thing is weird it's just it i think it's a toss out to his white supremacy really But we get the last tweet that we'll be getting in this section of the chapter, which is, again, from Professor Tweet. It's responding to what I just read. Oh, this led into my favorite bit of the chapter. Yeah, yeah. And he says, I don't know if I want all those policies to be adopted here in the United States, but I do want the United States to adopt the socialist aspects of their economies because Scandinavians are much better off than we are. 
Clearly, their big socialistic welfare programs have made life much better for Scandinavians than what we're stuck with in America. And Glenn's counter-argument, I am not kidding, is, hey, have you ever seen House Hunters International? <laughs> yes! <laughs> he really goes into talking about, well, in America, we like bigger houses big and bigger stuff. fridges. We like stuff to we be We like big. bigger fridges. And I know Glenn likes a big fridge. I've seen the guy. <laughs> but literally, when your argument is, and this, I'm just going to read the paragraph, quote, and this is talking about what we want in the United States. This translates to bigger houses, bigger cars, and even bigger appliances. If you've ever made a habit out of watching television marathons of shows like House Hunters International, you weren't joking. Barry. I wasn't. You were not joking. You'll start to notice terms like American fridge or <laughs> American style. But do you that's know, because do you, do you know what that means? Fridge. Do you know what that means? It means they have them too. That's just the word yes. that they use for them. They, they exist in the universe outside of America and they just call them American style. That's how they, that's just what they call them. It's really out. So Scandinavian, <laughs> whatever. It's not socialism. Apparently Scandinavian free market free won't market work in the United States because we like bigger fridges than they and cars we, we made fridges impractically argument. big you have to have brass fucking balls to make that goddamn bizarre. argument with a straight face it's you bizarre. really fucking i love do. it anyway take us out so anyways i will as i always do read the final paragraph of this section the first half of the chapter uh before we end today and that is quote and Americans like it that way, too. According to a 2018 Gallup survey, about 45% of U.S. adults say they want more disposable income and that their taxes are too high. So, uh, just for the record, that's less than half. A fact made even more stunning when you consider it's estimated just 44% of Americans pay federal income taxes. It's another biased source of his. Do you really think if these Americans had their tax burdens nearly doubled in line with what citizens pay in Scandinavia, they would think they are better off? Americans in many parts of the country also have had access to lower housing prices and bigger homes than in most of Scandinavia. And Americans pay substantially less for important goods and services like motor vehicle fuel and many foods. End of the first half of chapter right. five. Love that. Of arguing with socialists. Benedict. Yes. What was his point? <laughs> Pretty much what I said at the start, which is that's not socialism, but it's also not for you. Yeah, I'm I'm having trouble figuring, and I think what you said, I hadn't thought about it in this way uh, until you said it earlier this episode, which is the um, their foundations of their argument, and I think it may go deeper than that. I think the foundations of their ideology are based entirely on opposition. Yeah, and just thinking about the way that leads into their ability to make an argument, and the way it leads them into arguments which are incredibly bad, even for their own position, even if you take the things that they say is true. Um, I think it, it makes sense when you look at it through that perspective. Yeah, right? it's it's never about proving a point; it's disproving yours. That's all exactly. It is. And I guess that's exactly. the, that's the premise, that's the conceit of this book to an extent. Of like, it's supposed to be arguing with socialists, but it's interesting that that's the book that he chose to write, r rather than mm -hmm. this is why free market capitalism is the best. Right, and that's that's you would expect that he would have something along those lines that he would, and we haven't gotten that. We haven't gotten a really this is why free market's better. All we've gotten is socialism sucks, so free market. It's really, it's, it's a Only new... Only alternative, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, Benedict, I had fun today. I hope you all did. I hope it's everybody enjoyed the show. You're welcome. Yes. 
Yes, thank you all for listening. We hope you enjoyed. Remember, if you just can't get enough of us, you can go over to patreon.com forward slash NYGBC. Become a patron for as little as $2 an episode for patron-only episodes. Shoutouts on the show, drawings to win our copies of the books we read and more. And as always, we have to give a shout-out to our wonderful and amazing patrons, Benjamin Carlisle, Dexter, Allison, Corey Bidding, Megan Ruth, Glaurung the Deceiver, Big Easy Blasphemy, Becky Scott Fairley, Stephen and Cindy Dimmick, A.J. Brantley, Taro Takanen, Skeptical Seventh, and Andrew Jenko. Thank you all, as always, for being our patrons. That's it for this week's show. Till next time, the Joker is loose in Gotham City. Goodbye. Goodbye. podcast is a production of Kevin and Benedict Productions. Copyright 2020. All rights reserved. Music for this podcast is by Silverman Sound Studios. Find out more at silvermansound.com.